Hello, everybody. Welcome to an episode of Find Your Model Health Podcast, the official podcast for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals and understand how their body really works. I hope you're all really well today, and I thank you for joining me for another episode. And today I am interviewing someone very special that I told you about a couple of weeks ago. We're kind of going in reverse. We're going back to the topic of migraines. Um, And today we're joined by the migraine professional. But before we go on, I must remind you that the information in these podcast episodes is for informational advice and should not be taken as medical directions. Please consult your health practitioner before making any lifestyle changes. So today we are joined by Mark Kanadik. He is an, and I hope I pronounced that correct because I have an Irish accent, so it might come out wrong, is an integrative health condition health coach and migraine community educator through his platform, Migraine Professional. Um, He's the writer of the Food Triggers Guide for Migraines and Headaches, the creator of the 12-Week Solving Brain Pain Program, that is a tongue twister, and helped launch the Healthline Migraine App and Community. When not nerding out on health, Mark is at the beach practicing falconry, which is interesting, or feeding his foodiness, which I also do. <laughs> so how are you, Mark? Thank you for joining us today and giving me some of your time. Um, I'm really grateful for this. So I would love it if you could kind of give my followers and my clients a bit of your background and what got you into such an isolated category of health, whereas focusing just on migraine and headache and stuff around that. Well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of talk about this. This is really what I've what I've um, kind of spent a lot of my time really dedicated to understanding more about it, understanding more about the people uh, that suffer migraines and headaches. And there's all different types of, of, of us. And, you know, it really started with with my own journey. When I was a child, when I was growing up, I frequently experienced migraines and headaches. I was a pretty uh, sickly child. I was, I was fairly sensitive to the environment. I was sensitive to foods and uh, to smells, to sounds, uh, to lights. And so I had all kinds of different triggers. And, you know, at the time I didn't really, um, I, I didn't have any, any ability to, to reason for myself, to fend for myself. It was basically just whatever my mom and dad told me to do. Um, sometimes it was, you know, take a Tylenol or an Advil. It was usually just drink some water and go sleep it off. So as soon as, the uh, the pain would start coming as soon as the the lights would become unbearable. Uh, the sounds would become unbearable. I would basically just go curl up into a ball in my bed and try and cut out as much of the the sensory stimulus as I could and just sleep it off. Sometimes I'd be able to fall asleep. Sometimes I would it would bring me up to nausea and vomiting, and then I'd be able to fall asleep after that. But that was really my my experience kind of growing up, and and I found that slowly as I started to um, realize that 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 migraines were kind of part of my whole health that was suffering. And as I started to become a healthier individual, as I started to practice uh, healthier habits uh, and, and build a healthier lifestyle, as I started to understand, you know, what I wanted my life to look like. And I started to kind of, um, you know, mold myself to become uh, the person that could have the things that I wanted my life to be. Um, I saw my health improve and I saw my, my migraines slowly you know, fade away. Uh, they become less frequent. They became less intense, uh, and then eventually they faded to just becoming uh, mild headaches. And now it's kind of rare. Um, it's rare for me to even get a headache. I haven't had a migraine in about six years now. Um, every once in a while, you know, I like to. Uh, I've been one to kind of start pushing it, uh, pushing it pretty hard. I like seeing how far I can take my body, uh, just because I've spent so much time kind of building it and building my health. Um, so sometimes I'll push it really hard. And the only um, headache trigger that I have now is really intense exercise. Um, so that's that's the last one. Um, but it will cause maybe a light headache, if anything, um, nothing like the migraines that I used to have. And, Do you think? Yeah. I'm sorry yeah. to cut you off. Do you think the exercise aspect is when we push ourselves so hard, that kind of tension around the neck and the traps just kind of constriction? You think that might be playing a part there? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the musculoskeletal aspect of, of migraines and headaches is huge. I think it's really under, uh, under addressed. And I think part of it is because we have um, unhealthy breathing patterns, unhealthy digestive systems, unhealthy organs. Um, because what happens is uh, it's called viscerosomatic inhibition. So our, our viscera, you know, they get inflamed. And then they inhibit our soma, which is our body. They inhibit our, our musculature. They inhibit our, our abdominals. They inhibit our lower back. Uh, and this causes instability in the system, right? Our body, our musculoskeletal system, it radiates from the inside out. Stability always comes from the core out. Uh, and when we have an unstable core, we tend to develop um, unstable limbs, unstable uh, neck and head and shoulders. And this kind of radiates out. And this provides the instability for us to uh, develop the tensions that then end up, um, you know, causing or contributing to the our, our migraine threshold and our, our, our triggers that all kind of add up together and, and cross our, our threshold and, and trigger us into migraines. So I, th- I think, um, you know, I, th- I think the, the musculoskeletal aspect is a big part of it. Um, and for me specifically, it, it's, you know, overdoing it with, um, with, with shoulder or neck involving exercises. That's what really does it. Um, and so I've been really cognizant maintaining good strong core function uh, and I used to have a, a big history with digestive issues um, and I've been lucky to to come really really far with that and so you know I've been it's just a it's just a journey of maintaining um, you know what I like to call uh, the foundations the foundations that you have to keep to make sure that your body's resilient that your body can recover that it isn't becoming overwhelmed from just the the smallest little triggers so you really found um a holistic health kind of whole health first approach for you helped to eliminate those so it wasn't one thing specific per se it was like that whole health approach of being optimal with nutrition exercise sleep all that Mm -hmm. yeah so i you know, one of one of the main ways that I look at at migraines and headaches is from the the neurohormonal perspective. And there's a there's a good body of literature to show that um, the inability to facilitate strong hormonal functioning is one of the predisposers to um, you know the tendency to trigger migraines. But it's it's unclear which one is the cause and which one is the effect. You know, is it is it the unhealthy body that can't create hormones properly that that also gets migraines or is it the the poor hormonal function that creates the unhealthy body that creates uh the 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 poor or um or the the susceptibility to migraine trigger uh and so from that perspective i think you know as i got healthier i think my hormonal function improved i think my uh, musculoskeletal function improved i think um that that as you become healthier you improve in multiple different areas i think when you put into place foundational aspects of health, like exercise and sleep and nutrition and things like that, they, they have cascading effects throughout the body, right? They're, they're dynamic. It's not a static input where, uh, you know, you, you have a migraine trigger and then you take some sumatriptan and now your, your migraine is aborted and you're okay. You know, it's, you start exercising and then your sleep improves and your ability to tolerate stress improves and your digestion improves. And, your energy improves and your mitochondria improve and your brain function improves, right? So there, we want these dynamic inputs that have, you know, uh, dynamic consequences that, that help uh, improve our body in, in a number of different ways. Yeah. You mentioned hormones there, which is something I'm talking about with my followers for the last week or two. Um, and that on a basic level, when we improve our body and our health, our hormones are going to improve. But with that kind of notion in mind, um, there is the connection between estrogen or estrogen, however you pronounce it, estrogen uh, dominance per se, being a driver of migraines. So what do you think about that um, theory? So I think I think that we have uh, much, as, as a society as a whole, we have much higher estrogen levels than we have ever had before. I think we have much more access to food than we've ever had before. Um, and I think this drives a big part of it. Now, whether it's it's the too much estrogen or it's not enough progesterone, you know, some mm-hmm. some some veins of thought would say that it's it's not having enough progesterone there to kind of offset 
the really strong proliferative effect of estrogen because estrogen, you know, we need estrogen. We need estrogen to, you know, maintain strong bones and to fun um, facilitate strong inflammatory processes and um, to to build the lining of the uterus for for every single cycle of, of your your menses. You know, it has to be there to 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 proliferate the the lining. Um, but then we need progesterone there to kind of offset some of that to maintain that balance. Um, and a lot of women aren't getting that progesterone uh, progesterone spike. They're not maintaining that progesterone over a long enough time in their cycles. So a lot of women, you know, if they do um, a month long Dutch test, they'll be able to see their hormones, you know, over a, a month long period as opposed to just taking a, a simple snapshot at one moment in time, and then just still kind of being confused with what's going on. Um, you know, maintaining that progesterone over, over the, the, that latter part of the cycle, that's really important. But I think it's also just as important that the, the hormones are, are so high and then dropping off so quickly. Um, you know, I think that maybe the, the inability to, to tolerate the drop uh, in the hormones in you know, estrogen and progesterone at the end of the cycle is a problem. Um, and that I think can create just as much instability. Um, so yeah, it, it, it kind of depends on, on, on the individual and how they're tolerating their cycle at what point in their cycle they're uh, being triggered. Um, and then, you know, what can, what can really be done? You know, some women find that, 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 supplementing progesterone uh, can be a big help um, and and in in general if we just look at hormones i'd say that um you know just just uh, the inability to sustain adequate levels of hormones is more of a problem for migraineurs um, mm. as opposed to um, you know, having too much of all the hormones or really strong hormonal function, I'd say that that migraineurs are kind of on the hypo and uh, they're not creating enough of the hormones. And then the ones that are creating enough of the hormones, it's, it's really just the progesterone that is high there. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'd say that I, there's a dominance picture. Because a lot of women will experience those kind of PMS and even ovulation hormones where we're getting around ovulation, the spike in estrogen and then the pms everything's starting to drop so i suppose um the higher the drop so the more hormones you have and the bigger the drop and you're less able to manage that drop then you are putting potentially yourself in a position to bring on a migraine because you're having kind of a bigger roller coaster downfall here and it's it's going straight to your head if we were to put it in layman's it's like a bigger bang when you go down that roller coaster um, and then of course progesterone is our more calming hormone that helps us relax which the whole calming cycle and central nervous system aspect can obviously be helpful for managing or preventing I hate to say preventing but it plays an important part like most women nowadays are somewhat deficient in progesterone because of the stressful lifestyles we live and we getting the whole pregnenolone steel and everything but um I work I do work with men but predominantly with women and I can definitely see a trend in those who have higher estrogen levels and the migraine because of like I just mentioned that bigger drop if you were on a roller coaster that bang as those hormones just come down for sure for sure uh, and then it comes down to, to, you know, managing that and seeing, you know, is it, is it that we're trying to bring up progesterone at the same time, or are we just trying to kind of bring down that estrogen, uh, you know, testosterone plays uh, an important role there too. I think testosterone is, uh, migraine preventative. I think it does kind of fortify our bodies against some of the, some of the effects, some of the susceptibilities to trigger. Um, but again, it would depend on the, the types of migraines, right? I wouldn't say that, that all type of types of migraines, um, are supported by, by, um, you know, hormonal function or specifically testosterone function, right? Yeah. You know, some, some people just have really strong musculoskeletal triggers and that's, what's doing it for them. Um, yeah. Why, what are the, um, you mentioned this before we started recording, what are the types of migraine in your opinion? Um, I know you said it, nothing set in stone yet, but from your experience, what are the, even a couple of the different types you're seeing? Hmm. So, so I think the, the most important 
to start with or the most important to know that needs to be addressed is probably, um, you know, stress-based, uh, you know, the mental and the emotional side, um, you know, because the ability to, to manage our bodies, the ability to manage, you know, all of the things going on in our lives, that is the most important, uh, just from my perspective and, and, you know, taking a, a kind of a um, top-down approach. But, you know, not in everyone will that be the first place to go. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some people need to work more on the, the, the physical aspects. They want to uh, support their bodies, support the ability to tolerate um, triggers and stressors before they kind of approach some of the, the mental and emotional things, especially when there's a, a long history of trauma. Um, but, you know, I, I, would, I would group the, the, the mental and the emotional um, main triggers as kind of one part of them. Mm -hmm. um, I would group the digestive um, or uh, a gut-based, you know, I'd, I'd group liver, liver and digestive, and even maybe some of the, the uh, histaminic, um, histaminic migraines, I'd group them in another section. Um, and then I'd group musculoskeletal maybe in another section. Um you know, there's there there'd be a lot of crossover. You know, some people it can be something simple. Uh, it can be something simple as you know they have a um, sensitivity to gluten that they haven't realized, and that that gluten they have a very specific reaction to that gluten, causing gluten ataxia, and it's basically suffocating their brain. Um, as soon as they stop the gluten, you know they don't experience any more migraines, um, and that's great. Um, and then there's more complicated cases where we start getting things like like histamine reactions, um, where you're reacting to all of the the fermented foods, the, the smoked, the dried, the cured foods, um, and you know it can even be become as severe as uh, something we call uh, mast cell activation syndrome, uh, which is where your mast cells, this part of your immune system, which normally uh, reacts to allergic responses, the they they just start um, we could say randomly, um, but they start they start randomly degranulating and they start releasing these histamines in the body. And then we all get all kinds of different symptoms um, just because the immune system is becoming overactive. It's becoming uh, overactive or hyperactive and it's um, causing these mast cells to degranulate. And then you get all these kinds of different symptoms. So then it may be more uh, of an immune approach to it. And that, that immune side can be kind of multifaceted, you know, um, there, there can be viruses that, that were at play there. Some people, you know, they, they went through a, a viral infection at some point, And ever since then, they've been uh, suffering all kinds of different um, vestibular migraines or different um, uh, immune responses. And those are connected to their, their migraine triggers. Hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned the gut there. It's very rare you hear someone say, well, your gut issues could be causing your migraines. It is very rare um, to connect the two. I don't think many people would even connect the two, even though we're constantly told your gut is your second brain. There's, there's a disconnect there where people don't say, okay, if my good is my second brain, then maybe my good is causing my mind. Like it, it is rare. Do you see that a lot? Do you have a lot of clients that it's their good driving their migraine? Yes. Um, yes, for sure. Definitely. Um, and I, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, it's pretty, it, it's become part of the, the dominant medical model that we experience here is that things are kind of separated. Um, and what was initially used to kind of um, label or diagnose things and be able to refer properly, right? You go to your general practitioner, your GP, um, they give you a referral to a gastroenterologist or they give you a referral to a neurologist. And so then those are seen as separate areas that are kind of independent of each other. Um, that's not really the case. It's not how the body works. Um, and, and the gut and the brain are constantly interacting with each other. And the, um, the, the, the gut is giving a lot of information to the brain and it can be a major source of stress to the brain because of all of the information that it's constantly sending to us. So if we have an issue in the gut, um, it, it can be a specific, it can be, a, a, we could say, you know, a major trigger that is causing us to stay near our threshold all of the time. 
Um, and then it just takes a small thing, you know, maybe we miss a meal or we don't drink enough water that day and then that throws us off. But really it was the, the digestive issues, uh, the digestive inflammation uh, that is uh, keeping our trigger levels that high. That's like what you mentioned about gluten, eliminating gluten may be very helpful for some people or even the histamine, maybe with some cheese, eliminating that could be very helpful. Yeah, so in terms of diet, um, it'll it'll depend on the on the individual and the type of uh, the dig type of digestive issues going on. You know, there's a good body of literature to say that maybe uh, parasitic infections or different pathogenic infections may be contributing uh, to some of the sensitivity to trigger. Right, H. pylori have been directly associated with migraines and migraine prevalence. H. pylori is a pathogen that lives in the uh, the stomach and the upper duodenum. Uh, and this little organism will, it'll, it'll temper the, the pH in your acid, uh, the, the pH in your stomach to kind of um, suit its needs to create its environment, uh, to allow other, um, you know, other pathogens to be able to take hold, it will, it'll dig into the lining of your stomach to aggravate your immune system to cause an, an, a chronic inflammatory response, it'll, um, you know, um, sort of cause dysfunction in your ability to digest foods. Things like, uh, you know, burping and acid reflux have been commonly associated with, with H. pylori and things like that. Um, but obviously, you know, you, you should get tested and checked out if you think that that may be an issue. Um, in terms of foods, you know, the, the, one of the most commonly recommended places that people will go for, for um, food elimination will be something like the histamine or tyramine foods, foods that are high in histamines and tyramines. Uh, these are often things that are um, dried, cured, fermented, uh, things that have uh, sort of been out for a while so that bacteria in the environment have been able to work on them. Then these bacteria and their bacterial um, metabolism creates uh, what we call biogenic amines or different types of amines like the histamine or the tyramine. Um, and then these can be a trigger for migraines and headaches. But this is, uh, I find that it's much, it can be more complex than this uh, in that it can be, you know, things as simple as, you know, some gluten or some dairy that we maybe have a sensitivity to, a personal sensitivity to. Uh, it may be something like, you know, we have lactose intolerance and, you know, we can just take some lactase enzymes with the dairy that we're eating. Um, and then that may, doesn't make that food, you know, uh, a trigger for us, but it can be specifically the proteins in that food that our body is reacting to uh, because our digestive system is starting to lose tolerance because of maybe whatever is going on inside of the gut, our digestive system is starting to lose tolerance. And so then those foods uh, can become sensitive. So we want to focus on, you know, healing the gut. We want to focus on removing some of those triggers, giving more digestive supporting foods, uh, helping uh, our digestive system to break those foods down, right? Not rushing around when we're, um, when we're going through a day, not rushing around and eating while we're going, taking the, t uh, the time to kind of sit down, chew our food, relax while we're eating, um, eating social occasions, things like we, we kind of used to do. Um, and that, that kind of helps the digestive process to, to work instead of just um, kind of being a side, side process. Um, so yeah, the, the kind of the, some of the most common things would be uh, soy, wheat, dairy, uh, citruses are really common. Sometimes it's things like chocolate. Um, it can be the histamine and the tyramine foods. Um, grains in general can be some of the more triggering foods. I'd also, if there is a lot of digestive issues going on, I'd be kind of more careful with, with FODMAP foods. Um, this is a specific category of foods that feed the, the bacteria in the gut. Um, so if there's a lot of bad bacteria in the gut, you know, it will feed those bad bacteria just as much as it will feed the good bacteria. So this might not be a good thing. And um, this may just be pointing to, you know, we got to focus on the gut a little bit more and then and heal, heal the gut. Have you found that doing these kind of elimination style diets, even a full elimination diet or a FODMAP or uh, the elemental diet or something, have you found those to be effective for some people in, in dare I say, fixing their migraines? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, even even uh, some people go towards keto, 
Um, even keto can be really helpful. I think blood sugar stability is huge for migraine sufferers. Um, especially, you know, if you can't tolerate missing meals, um, I, I would, I would really check out your, your blood sugar stability and what is causing your blood sugar to not be stable. Cause this can be a sign that maybe you're not fulfilling a macronutrient need. You know, maybe you're not getting enough protein. Maybe you're not getting enough fiber. Maybe you're getting too many carbohydrates. Um, you know, various things. Maybe you're eating foods that are just creating um, immune reactions in the body. And those immune reactions are throwing off your blood sugar. Right. Mm -hmm. So those, those you want to address those. Uh, those are really important. Um, and, and I'd say blood sugar would be one of the main places to go, just because of it, it's going to have cascading effects throughout your body to have really good blood sugar. You know, you're going to have smooth, steady energy throughout the day. You're going to be able to sleep throughout the night you're going to be able to uh, maintain a good strong immune system without good blood sugar regulation your immune system is constantly going to be taking hits uh, and these are all the basis to be being able to stay resilient to your migraine triggers right because that's what we want to do at the end of the day um, you know we all have a certain amount of um, you know tolerance in our day you know we we all have you know, the eight hours, the six hours, the five hours of sleep that we have to get each night. If we don't get those, you know, we start running into lots of issues. We all have that kind of what I call wiggle room. And our goal is to just open up that wiggle room as much as we can. We do that by making the the, the body more resilient, by building that resiliency, um, by building some um, some more tolerance there in, in whatever the area is. That, that's That's kind of providing some of those main triggers. There's two things I want to touch on there because you mentioned keto um, and I'm curious. So you see people get better with keto and what about carnivore? Because I'm thinking the amines, the nitrogen, the ammonia from all this extra meat, not everyone is eating grass fed and pasture raised. So I, I feel like, would that not be slightly contradictory then? Now, I kind of know what you're going to say in regards to blood sugars and eliminating maybe inflammatory grains and lectins and whatnot, but it do, from an outsider, it would seem kind of contradictory with the whole amines connection to driving migraines. Hmm. Yeah, I, you know, some people will have, will have to find fresher meats than other people uh, because so depending on where you go to get your meats, some meats will be aged. They'll be 30, 60 day age, 90 day aged. Uh, and that will create a, um, an amine load that will be a problem. Mm -hmm. But I would not say that just, just meats themselves are the whole part of the problem or, or even that's just histamines or tyramines that are the whole part of the problem. I think they're just part of it. I think mm -hmm. they're just part of kind of that, that the, the kind of migraine picture and they can be one of the, bigger things for for a subset of people yeah. uh, that is causing them to go over their um their threshold i wouldn't say um i wouldn't say i find as many people actually sensitive to histamines and tyramines as um as you know recommendations would make it seem because it it, it makes it seem like you know if you have migraines you need to avoid you know, everything that has chocolate or that is fermented or smoked mm. um, when that that's that's really not the case. You know, there's a lot of individually with individuality within migraines and the people who experience migraines. Um, and so it's much more important to focus on kind of finding out what your specific uh, triggers are, what is what is actually going on um, and, and, and what is prompting your body to end up with this reaction. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's just a reaction to something that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I find working with my clients, like you said, the histamine can be an immune response, but I also find when they have compromised detoxification, that's where I'm going to see a higher immune response. And I'm not specifically looking for the migraines, more so the rashes and anaphylaxis and stuff like that. But um, when you were speaking about, I meant to bring it up when you were speaking about the histamines, I find it's a detoxification issue, which could even be connected to the hormone as well, plunge. Um, do you do a lot of detoxification work with your people? So I, so I wouldn't call it specifically detoxification. 
Um, I wouldn't say that we do. I mean, it will depend on the individual, but mm-hmm. I'd say that every everyone is taking part in uh, improving the ability for their systems to detoxify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every, every single person. Yeah. But it's not like it's, we're doing specific things that are kind of going out of our way. Um, you know, your body is constantly trying to detoxify. Um, your organs of detoxification are constantly trying to, to pee and to poo and to sweat and to breathe. Um, they're trying to get everything out. And so we're just facilitating those. Uh, and the way that we facilitate those is by, you know, moving more and eating better and better and, 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 and breathing better and, and drinking more. And, um, but, but yeah, I think that that is a big part of it for sure. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because, um, all these specific detox plans and all, they, they somewhat annoy me. I'm constantly saying to my clients, you literally detoxify every day, like your body, it's about the healthier you get, the better you're going to detoxify. If you sweat from exercise, if you pee more from water, like, um, so I'm glad you said that. The other thing I wanted to ask you, uh, I know my people are going to roll their eyes when I say this. I believe sleep is number one. It is number one over everything. Do you see a connection between people not prioritizing sleep? And I'm saying prioritizing specifically for a few people who I know will hear this, um, not prioritizing sleep and not getting good sleep quality. Do you see the connection there between the migraines? It's obviously the stress factor. And you mentioned you listened to a few of my other podcasts where I'd mentioned in them my own issues with migraine. And definitely if I don't get good sleep, just don't come near me. And there's a chance that I am going to get a migraine because I'm going to be more like inflamed and stressed. Yeah, I think I think sleep plays a big role in it for sure, especially for hormonal function, especially for, you know, overcoming the day, the previous day. Um, And I think that there is a big I, I think it's part of the ability for us to feel our bodies. I think sleep, you know, as we start to become deficient in sleep, it becomes harder and harder for us to feel what our body is saying. And then we can almost start compensating by, by getting less and less sleep. You know, same with, you know, one of the reasons I kind of try to get people to avoid stimulants is because it blocks your body's ability to feel what is going on. Because at the end of the day, you know, I can't be there for you 24-7 uh, looking over what you're doing and, and everything that's going on, right? So I have to teach you kind of how to go about understanding what your body is saying, understanding the signs that are kind of coming out, the symbols, right? Because our body can't tell us. It's going to give us different kind of symbols and, and symptoms that, that it's trying to communicate to us through. And then we have to be able to hear those and then respond to them properly and be able to give it the right stimulus or change how we are doing things to kind of uh, correct some of those, to course correct. And so I think sleep is a big part of that because as we become deficient in sleep, uh, it can become harder and harder for us to um, see that we're deficient in sleep. Our body will start kicking up our stress hormones. It'll start kicking up our cortisol, our adrenaline, noradrenaline, uh, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and it will start to almost mask over the 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 tiredness and we can just basically live off dopamine for a long long time our body is meant to overcome those stressors it's meant to take those stressors head on and it should be able to but Mm -hmm. we have to make sure that then we go and we also turn off that we're able to turn all of that off that we're able to uh, go and recover properly that we're able to come back to a normal healthy baseline where um, you know we become social again where we can wind down before bed where we can uh, sleep and wake up and feel rested again Um, because a lot of people they they don't wake up rested they wake up because of their alarm Uh, and so and you know it's it's hard with different lifestyles different work schedules that is a big part of being able to heal, you know, just making that a priority um, and choosing that over choosing some of the, the other things that we have to do in our life um, and, and, and being able to take that on and just get, you know, seven, eight, nine hours of sleep when we need to. 
nine is my sweet spot I can't function yep. without nine like sleep is I always say sleep is the bed is the best place in the world the gym is my happy place but bed is my favorite place I can't yes. function without sleep um so uh what have you I wanted to ask you what are some of your favorite treatments for migraine I had mentioned in my previous episodes that I've personally found um, both molecular hydrogen and Botox to be very effective for me. It got to the stage where I got one migraine. It was so bad. It floored me for like three days. I was vomiting. I couldn't think. I couldn't walk. And as soon as I got a clinic open, I was straight up there. I got um, injected in my traps, in my neck, in my temples. And then since then, I haven't never had one that bad. But um, I found that to be effective for me. So what are some of your favorite treatments? Mm -hmm. So the, the first and the most important thing is that if you develop a new headache or a new migraine, or your migraine or headache changes that you go and see your doctor. That's the most important thing um, because you never know when it could be something else, when it could be shifting to something else, right? You always wanna to go to them. You wanna make sure that things are, are ruled out so that's nothing more serious. In most cases, it's nothing more serious. Um, then from home, you know, um, I like simple things. I like making sure that, you know, uh, obviously, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, we pushed ourselves a little bit too hard. We have to notice that we pushed ourselves a little bit too hard and, you know, um, kind of draw a line in the sand of where we are going to push ourselves next time. You know, stop before it gets that far again, right? Because it doesn't matter if you take, you know, some sumatriptan or some ginger or whatever it is, but, you know, being able to draw the line um, and call it, that's, that's going to be one of the most important things that you do. You know, you want to be working... Uh, from your rest, not, not, you know, um, not working for your rest. Mm. Um, and so, so, but, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, natural things, supplementary things, obviously things like ginger, ginger is great. It's one of the, uh, the simple things that you can do super effective, whether you do it in a, in a tea or a powder or, or raw ginger, um, you just have to, you just want to be, you know, specific with your dosage. You want to find if there is a dosage that works for you. Um, obviously, things like like uh, CBD can be really effective for some people, but for some people, it does absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. um, any of these, you know, you want to kind of try things out. You always want to, uh, because there's no standardization in dosage, you want to see what your body does or does not respond to. Um, a lot of people will use uh, topically, they'll use the the um, peppermint oil or peppermint gels. Stop Pain has a really good study on it. Uh, uh, to abort, to actually abort pain, um, you know, even combining combining the peppermint with the CBD can be effective. Um, Anti-inflammatories can be helpful for some people, depending on the type uh, of pain. You know, so you're talking about your your curcumins or your your boswellias, your turmeric, um, or your boswellia. Uh, some people will use, you know, the more natural form of salicylic acid, the white willow bark, uh, that can be effective for some people. Um, but, but again, because there's different types of migraines, I would cater it to that type, mm -hmm. right? So if, you know, um, you have histaminic migraines, you know, you may need, um, you may work really well with some of the more, um, you know, antihistamines. So whether that be, you know, prescription or over-the-counter antihistamines, or you're taking more natural things like your butter burr, your vitamin C, your quercetin, um, or, or a diamine oxidase enzyme specifically, right? It's been found that, that migraine sufferers are lower in diamine oxidase enzymes, which is this enzyme in the gut that kind of breaks down uh, some of the histamine and the tyramine. Um, so some people supplement with that and they find that really effective. Um, but yeah, it'll it'll kind of it'll kind of depend on on where or or what is being the the main trigger. Some people just need just a gut soother. They just need some you know, some peppermint tea just to soothe their gut. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they need some electrolytes like some magnesium and some potassium, um, just to to kind of um, 
tip tip the scales in their favor so their body their body and their brain can recover what do you think of um these piercings the ear piercings and stapling and stuff like that mm. I, for, apparently for some people they work um and my what i've always said is that if it works you know keep it working just mm -hmm. keep it working that's great keep it working for sure um a lot of people they need more physical stimulation than they get not just in terms of you know exercise and movement but they also they need massage you know we um prior to becoming so isolated in our houses we were very uh we were all touchy-feely with each other we were very connected um you know massage is essential touch human touch is really really important for the body it releases the the oxytocin system and that helps to modulate inflammation to modulate stress um to modulate the immune system so those are really really important uh, i think you know lymph massage can be really helpful a lot of people a lot of people can do their own lymph massage you know massaging their lymph nodes down the neck um, top of the chest underarms groin um, really important uh, lymph massage areas that can be really important um, and i think vagus vagus nerve stimulation for some people it can be very important mm -hmm. your vagus nerve it's a nerve that kind of wanders down um, from your brain down into your organs it innervates your organs it helps with everything from you know swallowing to to digesting um, and, and there's there's um, patented migraine uh, vagus nerve devices so these stimulate the vagus nerve they are they're used specifically for migraines like the gamma core um, they were found to be effective but you can do vagus nerve exercises yourself, um, vagus nerve stimulation, you know, physically by physically massaging um, or, you know, things like like breath work and like probiotics and like um, gargling and singing and humming, toning. Those are all help to stimulate the vagus nerve. Uh, those can all be uh, really important, uh, but they need to be done, um, you know, not just once or twice. You know, they need to be done two or three times a day um, for two or three weeks. And, and done to the point where the that nerve is, you know, fatiguing, it's being pushed to have to become stronger at the end of the day, right? So, so one of the, the um, I, I like people being able to kind of measure, being able to measure the changes that they're making, measure the improvement, so that they have some feedback. That, right, just like we go into the gym, you know, we um, you know, we measure the the amount of weight that we're lifting. We have instant feedback. We can always go back and see if our body is able to um, meet that weight, meet that stressor, and is it stronger the next week when we come back? Because every week, you know, we should be improving one to three percent minimum. Um, we should see improvement every single week um, with something as simple as exercise, but then also with all of these other things that we're doing. We want to see improvement. We want to see consistent improvement. So like progressive overload before the vagus nerve. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah there's, exactly. there's a lot of talk about vagal nerve activity, uh, books, everything. But back to the point I you were at is it has to be done all the time. Like you exercise your body all the time health as a whole has to be done all the time not just when you feel like it or not just when you're getting ready for a vacation or whatever it has to be all the time and that again I partially think there's also a disconnect there with people because so many people are chasing specific goals you can't just do these things for a certain amount of time it has to be forever yes you know I think part of it um, part of the way I like to talk about it is that we are, um, when we start to experience migraines, we're starting to, um, you know, not for everyone, but we're starting to experience a mismatch between what our, our genes are asking for um, or our, our epigenetics have been trained for um, and then what the stimuli is that we're giving those genes, right? Because our genes have specific, you know, key locks and through the things that we do every day, through our our the our environment around us, through how our, our environment impacts us, those keys go into the key locks and they open up our genes so that our body can function properly. Um, you know, we were constantly exposed to, um, you know, historically we were constantly exposed to changes in temperature, um, to changes in food availability, um, to constant movement. You know, not just 
going to the gym for 20 minutes, but consistent movement all day long, right? Our body is a pumping machine. Um, it's constantly working at pumping itself, right? Not just pumping to provide oxygen, to provide nutrients to places like the muscles and the brain, but also to be able to uh, detoxify um, all of the waste that's being created by our cells. Because our body, you know, we have two fluids in the body. We have um, blood and we have lymph and blood has a pump, right? It has the heart there to pump it, but the lymph system, it requires movement. It requires good breathing, good, strong breath, it requires movement. It requires muscular contraction to, to pump itself so that our body can drain and can kind of take out the waste um, and circulate itself properly. So um, when people come to you, if someone was to contact you, you're going to, is it, am I correct in saying you help them decipher what's going on, what type of migraine or what the cause is, and then come up with some sort of approach or plan to address this and start fixing things? So, so people will come to me for a variety of things, not just migraines and headaches. Um, it can be all kinds of, because I talk a lot about digestive issues and hormonal issues and things like that. They come to me for a variety of things uh, and everyone goes through kind of an assessment and through in through this assessment, we kind of help. Um, we're trying to understand everything that's going on and how those are impacting, you know, the way that our body is expressing itself today. Uh, and then we go about putting a plan into place to see what we can change and how we can go about creating behavior change over the next one, two, three, four months. Right. On top of that, you know, if it's something like migraines, you know, we're doing the simple things that we can just get easy, quick wins today. Um, but a lot of the things are, you know, trying to figure out what are the triggers, whether they be triggers for your digestive dysfunction or triggers for your your headaches or migraines. Um, and then helping to, you know, go through the, the, the process of education, because a lot of it is just education, just understanding, you know, why is the body doing this? What else can we do to kind of compensate, support our body so that it can do it better next time? And you're hoping to see improvements as fast as possible in regards, if it was just chronic migraines we're hoping to see improvements as fast as possible there mm -hmm. yeah uh one last thing because i know you're in toronto and i mentioned i'm in alberta uh, a lot of people here will experience a lot of pressure changes and migraines due to chinooks and it's very very dry here it's not like it would be in toronto is do you see a big kind of weather factor I know you work with people everywhere. Do you see like different areas experience migraines based on different weather patterns? How do you mean? Like I, I understand the, the barometric pressure migraines. Um, yeah. I'm not so, sure. Uh, I suppose what I'm asking is, do I don't know if you have many clients in Alberta, but do you see, I, I would expect that if you had a lot of clients in Alberta, you would probably see more headaches associated with weather changes in your clients from Alberta than you would in Toronto. Um, it, it's probably not a big ping in Toronto, is it? You know, when I, when I kind of look back, I don't see as many um, weather or pressure change related migraines as I would expect to see um maybe because i don't talk about them as much um but i don't see that many of them so i, I wouldn't be very very good at kind of uh commenting especially on the difference between areas mm -hmm. mm. because we have the rocky mountains here as our backdrop yeah. So it, it actually is a hot topic when we get a Chinook coming over. People will take pictures of it. It'll be all over Facebook. And then as you scroll through the comments, it's like, oh, yeah, my, my head was telling me something was coming or, yeah, the migraine's killing me today. And it'll be a lot. It'll be like nearly every comment. Someone has either felt a Chinook coming or they're feeling the impact. Um, so it probably is more dominant here because we have this setup that we have and it's very dry here too but um this is all these different areas for people to suppose consider could be driving their migraine like it, it's great if you can decipher what's definitely yours i can 100 say 
migraines for me are triggered by chronic blue light exposure and stress. Like they're my two triggers. If I um can limit those, I'm, I'm doing great. But um, I know not everyone has that kind of blessing to be able to pinpoint what is driving theirs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, and I think, um, you know, the, the eyes are an extension of the brain too. You know, they're directly connected. They're directly plugged into the brain. Uh, and so when our eyes are going through stress, uh, this can be a, a big source of trigger um, for the brain. It, it's a lot of added kind of inputs. And it's kind of like when you open too many tabs on a computer, at some point, things start lagging, 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 because there isn't just there isn't enough processing power there. Um, and so, you know, as we've seen with with um, I think I think it's clearest with with migraines with aura that there is kind of a, a energy generation uh, issue in the brain that is kind of contributing this. A lot of people contribute uh, attributed to mitochondrial issues inside of the brain and the mitochondria just being unable to create a steady um, sort of supply of energy to process all of these inputs that are going on. Um, so, yeah, reducing as much of those um you know excessive inputs as possible can be you know just easy wins easy wins for people um but with some things you know it's easier than others right it's easy to cut down on blue light but it's a lot harder to um deal with very much pressure changes but some people have had to some people you know um that's been their one and only trigger is the barometric pressure change and they live in an area where they're unfortunate and they're constantly getting those and they have to move um just like some people, you know, it's mold that is their main trigger and mold is, uh, you know, mold creeps into their house. It gets into an area. Maybe they have a, a leak or something um, and they have to leave their house because, you know, their body is just going to fight every single day because, um, you know, living in a moldy home is is completely um, detrimental to the body, especially once it's become sensitized to it. Mm. this stuff can be life-changing I couldn't imagine having to move because I was getting chronic migraines like that is life-changing stuff mm -hmm. so thank you so much for spending some of your day with me I know we've been trying to set this up for a while can you tell my followers where to find out more about you and what you do I know you have some amazing blogs up and I follow you on Instagram so please tell us yeah, so it's just Migraine Professional on all the channels, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook. Um, yeah, just check us out at Migraine Professional. Yeah, and I noticed you have a free ebook as well on your page, on your website, which could be, be very beneficial for a lot of people to check out as well. Yeah, we have a couple. So we have the, uh, the five factors that, that trigger migraines, and then we also have uh, the five mistakes of hormonal migraines, specifically for hormones. You know, if you're experiencing migraines that are hormonally related, uh, you'll want to check that one out. Yeah. Or even if I would recommend, even if you believe, if you don't know for sure, even if you think it might be hormone, check out that ebook then. For sure. For sure. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for giving us some insight, some more insight into migraines. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Chavane. Thank you for joining us.